0: Hey, everybody, welcome to The 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley, and we all know that there are moments in life that will define us, moments that set us down one path or plunge us down a completely different path. Join me as we delve into our guests' turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guests made The 180.
1: Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey don't stop keep going you can turn it around the 180 yes it's a big change the 180 your life won't be the same the 180 you can do it say yes to your beautiful future the 180
2: yeah Yeah. hey you gotta
0: sing. <laughs> Coming to iTunes soon. Make it your ringtone. Make it your ringtone, y'all. <laughs> I love it.
2: 180. Hey. Hey.
0: Okay, it's catchy. I love it. I have to thank my friend Jared Landon for creating that song, but yeah, that's, that's me singing it. I love it. You already hear her, but I'm so, so thrilled and excited to welcome my guest, actress, singer, director, Stacey Sargent to the 180. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Ooh i will tell you a little something about Stacey. Stacey is a native of Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Where Brooklyn at? <laughs> she graduated from LaGuardia High School of Music and Performing Arts, as well as Syracuse University with a BFA in musical theater. Stacey can be seen on your TV screens and in film in such productions as Come Sunday, The Blacklist, CBS's Bull, CBS's Blue Bu- <laughs> Oh, gosh. Look, now I'm saying the tongue twister. Blue Blugs. What Black Lug, <laughs> CBS's Blue Bloods. <laughs> CBS likes you. That's good. CBS is hiring you.
2: CBS, listen, I'm very thankful yes, for Yes, amen. They got me my SAG insurance.
0: <laughs> oh, so, wow. That's, that's good. Yeah. Her acting skills can also be seen in Top 5, directed by Chris Rock, and Obvious Child, directed by Gillian Robespierre. Stacy's filmmaking debut is a film called Though I'm Not Perfect. It's a short documentary film about the impact of the ballet industry on the mental and physical health of young people. Though I'm Not Perfect won the Honolulu Film Award for Best Educational Film, which is mm-hmm. awesome.
2: Thank you. I should also mention that a film that I shot last year is on Netflix. Whoa. It's called 40 Year Old Version by Rada Blank.
0: Yes, that's so exciting. I I know Rada when I was newer on the New York theater scene. I saw a few of the productions she did. Yes. Yes, Rada. So you're in The 40-Year-Old Version, which is out. Yeah. So y'all make sure you watch The 40-Year-Old Version. And you were nominated for your performance as Bo Weathers in Rags Parkland Sings the Songs of the Future. Some of your nominations include a Lucille Lortel Award, Drama League Award, and Drama Desk Award for your performance. (laughs) So congratulations on that. And the cast album is currently out.
2: Yes, thank you. Yeah.
0: Folks, wherever you are in your car, walking around in your home, join me in welcoming Stacy to the show.
2: Thank you, the
0: How are you doing today?
2: Um- Good. I'm good. You know, it's been it's been a busy couple of weeks. I feel like things are starting to pick up in the industry. Yeah. As far as auditions, so I've been in like self-tape mode. Have
0: you had any of those Zoom auditions?
2: Yes, I have. I had one. It was for a commercial. This was maybe 2 months ago. It was the first time I'd ever done an audition for Zoom, no less, a commercial audition. And yeah. I ended up getting a call back. And at the call back, I was in the waiting room so long. And apparently my air my air conditioning at the time was not working. Oh my gosh. And I didn't know that. And I fell asleep. <laughs> 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 I literally, put, ah. I was like, well, wow. oh, let me go sit on my bed, because I don't know how long they're going to take. Right, how long? And I thought, you know, with the Zoom that I would hear when people came on, but not realizing that my (laughs) audio was off. Oh! So when I woke up, I woke up to a bunch of people on my computer screen, and I was not in the (laughs) (laughs) screen.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, that is a story. That's (laughs) certainly memorable for you and for them, I'm sure. Maybe you booked it. I don't know.
2: I'll let you know I did not (laughs) book that job. Oh. It's all It's good. all right. It's all right.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to play a game now. uh It's game time on the 180. The name of the game is... What diva is this? Because you are such an incredible singer, I thought, well, let's play a game where we can oh, sing. Oh,
2: my Lord. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so here's the deal. My producer, David, is going to send us individually a nursery rhyme. And along with that nursery rhyme a diva to imitate. Oh my God. We'll be singing the nursery rhyme in the style of Adele, for example. Okay. It might be Toni Braxton or Christina Aguilera or
2: Britney Spears. And
0: so (laughs) I'll have to guess who you are imitating and you'll have to guess who I'm imitating.
2: Do I have, do I get a list of like options or I just got to pull this out of the air?
0: We're going to say it could be anybody. I'm up and uh, here I go.
2: (laughs)
1: Mary had a little lamb its fleece was white as snow <laughs> Brittany, and everywhere Britney yeah. okay yes <laughs> yes <laughs> it's Britney bitch oh
2: my god oh wait i knew this was going to happen i don't know this nursery rhyme
0: which what, what which one is it one two buckle my shoe
2: have you any wool yes sir yes sir three bags full i
0: we didn't sing that in Brooklyn. Is <laughs> that <laughs> Brooklyn and didn't uh, do that right, one? Trinidad. We'll get you another one.
2: I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle. Here's
1: my spout.
0: Oh, Aretha Franklin. Oh, oh, Christina. It's not Aretha or Christina? Oh no. I see the pointing Mariah, Mariah, (laughs) duh, you were doing you went up and everything. Okay. (laughs) And you know, Christina is more of a growl, but that the she does the finger thing too. She
2: like tries to reach the note with her finger and has to like cover her ear to hear it. (laughs) I'm horrible with these nursery rhymes. I'm telling you, as a kid, I don't know what I was listening to. I was listening to Calypso. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm
2: next.
1: Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water.
2: Oh, my God. I think I know. Is this Lady Gaga?
0: No, but it's it's like a mess. Jack fell down. Celine. (laughs) So bad.
2: Celine. Okay, yes. And broke his (laughs) (laughs) throat.
0: Yes. That was difficult for me, but entertaining for some.
2: That would be hard for me too. Yeah. I'm just getting stuck on the nursery rhymes. I'm like, how does that go? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got your next one? I see the shimmy.
2: Itsy bitsy spider like kind of, Tony or, I don't even or, oh, know how this... Cl- wait. Down came the rain and washed... It. I, I, I can't do her. I, I don't listen to her enough. But I just oh know Shakira, a lot of sh-
0: yeah. I, the shimmying, yeah. yep, yep.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's so funny because it's like, oh <laughs> no, this is hard. Oh, I, yeah,
2: I don't really know her sound because I'm not. Really, oh, I don't really listen to her
0: music. I think I have "Mary Had a Little Lamb" next. Oh, which whenever I hear "Mary Had a Little Lamb," I think of Sister Act too. "Mary Had a Little Lamb" because Whoopi Goldberg was being silly. Here's my next person.
1: Mary had a little lamb, his place was white as snow. Um, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Janet!
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, what are distinct Janet things? I was like, she laughs. She laughs. Yes. That was fun.
2: Oh my God. That was...
0: And a little wild.
2: Insane.
0: So we made it through. Stacey, if there was a fictional world or place you could visit... What place would that be?
2: Oh my God, Wakanda!
0: Wakanda! Okay.
2: I mean, I didn't have to think about that. I
0: love it, Wakanda! Like forever.
2: I, I would, I would move to Wakanda. I wouldn't just visit.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I would live there. I would stay there.
2: Bags packed. I'm there.
0: Yes. When Black Panther first came out, everybody. Oh my was God. W-
2: yes. Wakanda I mean, forever. Rest in peace, Chad. Rest in yes. peace, Chad Chadwick exactly.
0: Boseman. Yes. Yeah. I will tell you, I had an awkward experience with the Wakanda Forever thing. It was like a month after the movie came out and I was in a cafe. I was sitting with a friend, I actually had a chair at my table that I didn't need. And there were some black folks that walked in and needed the chair. And so I was like, Oh yeah, y'all y'all can have it. And I was like, Wakanda forever. And I did the accent. (laughs) That was where I went wrong. They just looked at me crazy, and I realized that they were actually like.
2: From the continent. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: They were from the continent. And I was like, oh, they probably didn't appreciate that I put on an accent.
2: Probably not.
0: Probably, they looked at me like, brother, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. It was awkward. And I I was like, solidarity, (laughs) right? Solidarity. And they were like, no, stop it. (gasps)
2: That's hilarious. Uh,
0: If you had a time machine, would you go back in time or
2: into the future? I think back in time. I think going into the future would take the fun out of life. Mm. I would want to go back in time to meet my grandparents oh yeah yeah my ancestors because when i was born i only had one living grandparent oh wow and she did not live in this country so i only met her a handful of times before she passed away so yeah back in time
0: it's such an opportunity to learn about who you are in the present like by seeing what happened before and and experiencing ancestors yeah that's beautiful
2: like looking at my nephew now he who's two Uh uh-huh he has so much of my dad in him and i'm like he has no idea mm. who his grandfather was, but we all just look at him and we're like, oh my God, that's, that's, that's daddy.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah. yeah, and that's amazing how that can happen. Do you think you could manage without your smartphone for 24 hours?
2: Yeah, there have been times when I'll say like maybe within the past two years where I've left home without my phone. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't away from home for 24 hours, but I was like, you know what? I'll be good. The world, the world's not going to come to an end. Did
0: you leave it by accident? Or it was, was, by, it, on it was by accident. By accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah, by accident. And you made it through.
2: I made it through. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one of those times I got home, I was like.
1: Nobody loves me. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't
2: no, text message you. They didn't. I not one missed call. Said, no. no DMs. No. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs>
0: oh, it's all right. It's all right.
2: I feel like I can. There are times where I am in my house and I will turn off my phone because I don't want to be disturbed. That's good. And just like need a break.
0: That's so important. I
2: got off of Facebook in 2009 or 10 haven't
0: been back on. Ooh. That is impressive. Social media is so addictive. So many people are hooked. I watched The Social Dilemma. The
2: Social Dilemma. Yes. I just
0: watched that. Oh, and I said, I need to get off of it all. Oh, but it's marketing. It's it, it does a lot, but it
2: yeah. does a lot.
0: That's, you don't want it to do. So it's, it's hard, but I'm I'm proud of you. I'm amazed that you've been off of Facebook for that long, and will stay off of Facebook.
2: I encourage you. Oh, I have no plans on getting back on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I haven't really been on IG since the protests. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, it, it was just making me depressed and um, yeah, and just taking me away from things that I could be doing. You can you can waste a lot of time. Yeah. On there, I mean, there's, so there's positive and negative, I think, with all of it, so if
0: you can't find the balance, let it go, you know what I mean, and I think it's not for everybody, so yeah, I think it's it's important to be able to create space from it and also just let it go. So, I'm going to ask you more about you, Stacey, the actress, the director, the singer. What made you want to be a storyteller?
2: Wait a minute. Let me just clarify. Are you talking about telling my own stories or being a storyteller and and just being an actor?
0: I'll say both. As actors, we are storytellers. Right. It's different, but it's also important to be able to tell your own stories.
2: So, I wanted to become an actor, first and foremost. I started out in ballet when I was three years old. Mm. And started dieting when I was nine as a result of being in that industry. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I know.
0: I'm I'm like feeling it. I like, I started out as a dancer as well. Oh,
2: okay. When
0: I was like two or three, my parents enrolled me in dance class because I would be in the mirror dancing and acting a fool. Yes. I went to DeVay's Christian School of Ballet and Tap, run by three black women, and so it was interesting for me growing up as a young man or um, as a boy. <laughs> I was three, four years old. <laughs> as I got older, watching how the young ladies would change, or you know, or the different sizes were accepted and encouraged, or people thought that they couldn't still be in the dance world and be their body type. So I'm very interested in your journey, all that to say. Well,
2: I'll go a little bit more in depth with it. So I started training at a studio in Carnegie Hall. Mm. There were a handful of people of color there. Yeah, There was a children's company in that school. All of the people in my class they were all older than me. Hmm. You know, when you know you're good at something, you know, and I knew that I was good. And yeah, when I was nine, the head of the school had a meeting with my mom and I and told me that I was too fat to be accepted into the company. But I was talented and she suggested going on a diet. That was the first time I was introduced to dieting and it was, I wanted to be a ballerina. Yeah. So I went on this diet. I lost weight. All of my other teachers that I trained with took note, Mm -hmm. but the head of the school never said anything to me.
0: And that's the one you had the
2: meeting with? Yes. Yes. She never said anything to to me. You know, obviously it was devastating. And then that was when my parents had the conversation with me about race and color because the people who who were of color that trained there, they were all light skinned. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to Dance Theater of Harlem Mm. when I auditioned. They put me in a beginning ballet class. It only met on Saturdays. At this point, I had been on point for two years. Yeah, you had been
0: training for years. training
2: five days a week. And again, the reason told to me was that I was too fat and I needed to lose weight. And I went there with a different expectation because these are my people. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I ended up losing weight. They ended up giving me a scholarship, moving me up. But it was... The comments that I endured throughout my training there, I always felt like I was never good enough no matter how small I got. And I just had a very disordered relationship with food by that point. yeah. I should also mention during that time when I went to high school, I I auditioned for LaGuardia for dance piano and voice i used to just sing in the shower and i (laughs) trained in piano for a couple years at that point and i got in for piano and i got in for voice i did not get in for dance Hmm. of course in my head it was because i was not small enough
0: yeah
2: so while i was attending high school for voice i was still training at dance theater of harlem and still was very focused on trying to be a ballerina. And then in my junior year of high school, I started hanging around with a lot of drama majors and I had a lot of free periods because academically I had started taking high school courses in junior high school. So I would sit in on some of the acting classes and I was like, oh my God, this is it. I was like, it doesn't matter what I look like (laughs) because I'm taking on a character (laughs) and we're supposed to be a reflection of the world.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I was like, I'm going to be an actor. Mm. So I auditioned for musical theater programs because I had no real acting training. Mm. I got into uh, Syracuse and really liked the program there and went to Syracuse. That's how I ended up in this business. My senior year of college, there was a show being produced by Syracuse Stage in New York, Off-Broadway. And I booked that show like the week before I graduated hey. and joined Equity. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and have just been doing it ever since. Now, as a professional actor, then I came up against roles that just, you know were not interesting or did not show yeah black people black women and it, it, it three the, the the all of the dimensions
0: yeah complexity and the exactly the stereotypes yeah
2: i mean i feel like i've i've always had an interest in sharing my story once i realized the abusive nature of what I went through as a kid in the dance world, once I became aware of it, mm-hmm. I felt it necessary to share my story because I knew that I wasn't the only one and we weren't talking about it.
0: Absolutely.
2: So I created that a uh, documentary about my experience in the dance world. Oh. Well, while I was at Dance Theater of Harlem, not only were they telling me, oh, you should do something else, but there were opportunities that came through that school for television, um, for the Met Mm -hmm. as like children in Porgy and Bess. Uh And I was always overlooked, even though it wasn't, it wasn't about ballet. I remember they were auditioning Uh. for kids for the Cosby show and I was always overlooked. Uh. And of course I was, I felt like it was because I, was not skinny. Mm -hmm. I was just always encouraged to focus on my academics instead of being in the arts. So the fact that I was working as a professional, I was like, well, clearly Mm. there was some mis-messaging given to me as a kid. And had I listened to those limiting beliefs, i wouldn't be here
0: Mm -hmm. though i'm not perfect that's that's the name of the documentary right yes though i'm not perfect though i'm
2: not perfect yes it's a short documentary i created this documentary and then i booked a show in new york and i was cast in the ensemble of this show and i felt at the time i was like i don't know that this is going to fulfill me. But at that time in my career, I was like, I wanted to stop doing regional theater Mm -hmm. and really start creating a name for myself in New York. So I took this job. It was um, at the Signature. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to take a solo show writing class just to Uh do something different. Yes. At the end of the class, you end up with a 20-minute piece that you have to present. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of me creating my solo show, which is called, But What Trouble Is This? Which is a phrase that many Trinidadian people say and my, my parents say it. And it, mm. it's basically an expression that's used when you are shocked by something, like someone does something or you, you can't believe it. You're just like, uh-huh. hey, but what trouble is this? <laughs>
0: I love it, yes.
2: So I created a solo show and I've been developing it ever since. And now we're here in the pandemic. We don't know what's happening with theater.
0: (laughs) What is theater right now?
2: Exactly. So I decided to translate it into a television show, which was always my vision. Mm -hmm. But I got to writing the pilot. Um, That's
0: awesome. Congrats. Yeah.
2: And I I think it's just... Important because I have not seen a story like mine that deals with body image, mm-hmm. showbizism, racism within our industry, mm-hmm. as well as being first generation of Caribbean parents growing up in East New York, Brooklyn. I've not seen that. Yes. I think it's funny, and the response that I've gotten when I've done readings and a residency most recently with New York Theatre Workshop of my solo show. I feel like it's something that resonates with many people, mm-hmm. with many demographics.
0: It's awesome, because that's one of the reasons why I started this show, is because I do believe that we all have a story. And when we share our story, when we share our testimony, it heals, it it empowers, it releases, and um, it can really be such a tool for enlightening people and also bringing people together. So I'm excited that you're developing this solo show into a larger project that can reach more people. Congrats on that.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. What's the name of the solo show or the TV show right now? The
2: solo show is called But What Trouble Is This or The Exhumation of MC Spice. Uh Uh-huh. And the TV show is just called But What Trouble Is This.
0: We'll definitely be on the lookout for that. And like as you talked about your journey, taking risks is certainly a huge part of this industry, but also a part of your story from being a dancer to deciding, okay, actually, let me look at musical theater to then experiencing different roles and saying, I want to power myself to write my own story. You're taking risks by moving around and navigating new waters. So what allows you to take Risk, like what are moments that you felt empowered to take risk and how have you found that courage or what's pushed you to discover that courage?
2: Well, first I'll say I think it's just my need to express whatever is inside me and I figure out what medium Mm -hmm. would do that best. So, I don't just limit myself to saying, Well, I'm an actor, so I don't do anything else. I'm just an actor. I don't, I think because of my experience, I've had to morph my dream. Mm. Because of the obstacles, I had to, I was forced to be open to other areas because the one thing I always knew as a kid was that I wanted to be in this industry. Don't ask me why, Mm -hmm. but it was just (laughs) an inner knowing. Also, so my my dad passed away in 2017. Mm -hmm. And when I reflected on his life and my mom's life, because they both emigrated here from the West Indies, Mm -hmm. they came to a completely different country with nothing. And they built A life for themselves They met in Brooklyn So they came as individuals To pursue their dreams Wow And when I looked at that After my dad passed As well as two friends of mine From high school passed Within months wow. after my dad passed. My God. And obviously it was unexpected because they were so young. Mm-hmm. You always hear the saying like tomorrow's not promised, but I was experiencing tomorrow not being promised in a way that was very palpable, and I decided around that time I was like, "What areas in my life have I been just kind of complacent and comfortable?" Mm. And one of the things for me at that time, I'd been to LA just to visit friends, but in my head, LA was like, I don't know, it's just this thing that I was like, I don't know, like how do you get to auditions on time if there's so much traffic? Like I just didn't understand, traffic, right? Because I'm like, I'm a <laughs> yes. New Yorker, I know the train. I've been riding the train since I was like right. seven with my big brother. Like uh uh-huh. I'm like, how does that machine work? Right. I decided you know what, let me let me figure it out. I'm not going to a different country. I'm going across the country where I actually have friends and have been before, but Uh just never spent a considerable amount of time there. So
0: You decided to take that risk.
2: Yeah. And I mean now I'm like, it wasn't a risk. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like you don't know until you do it. (laughs) Mm. But I definitely it's definitely looking at my parents' lives and experiencing so much loss at that time that my dad passed that made me just jump.
0: Mm, A leap of faith.
2: What is it? Leap and the net will appear.
0: Yes, yes. It's so true. Like, we have to be willing to like let go of the things we know, let go of our comfort and just jump. Take that leap.
2: It's only when we jump into the discomfort of something that we're able to stretch ourselves. And that's exactly what I experienced going there. Mm-hmm. I leaped and the net appeared. I literally did not know. I didn't know where I was going to be staying because that year a film, Come Sunday, was going to be premiering at Sundance. so I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to go straight to LA from Utah. Yeah. And I reached out to a girlfriend of mine. I was like, hey, do you know anyone that might be interested in an apartment swap? And she was like, no, but you could stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. So uh, that was just like, a blessing. Yeah. So many things just just worked out, and I think I just needed, I needed that space away from New York.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One, I don't like the cold. Yes. I
0: understand that.
2: My dad was exposed to asbestos back in the 70s, and one of the mm. locations that he was exposed in is literally across the street from my apartment building now. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah.
2: So every time I walked out of my building, I was seeing this building and I was just very angry.
0: Understandably, yeah.
2: And wanted space and I got that space and I also learned LA and know that it's not a place to be afraid of, Mm -hmm. but it also helped me to appreciate New York even more.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Uh uh-huh.
2: So yeah, I I came back and, and was immediately blessed with Rags Parkland sings the songs of the future.
0: Hey. Yeah,
2: I just, I think since then I have just stepped into every situation knowing that tomorrow is not promised. So what am I going to do with this now? Yeah. How do I want to experience whatever it is I'm experiencing, do I want to come at it from a place of enjoyment mm-hmm. or do I want to come at it from a place of fear? And that's one thing my dad, I feel like he lived a very full life. He lived yeah. a full life, you know? Yeah, Like I was living before mm-hmm. and I was stepping through obstacles and and, I don't know that I was having fun.
0: Oh, that's powerful, especially with within the entertainment industry or people that feel like they're doing something that they should be enjoying or loving. But oftentimes, just because of the rigmarole and the steadiness of doing it, we get bogged down in the like, okay, let me get ready for this audition. or Okay, let me rehearse. All right, another performance. Of course, we all have our days, but it's like being able to say, hey... I get to do something that I love and separate from career. Like, it's another day. I get to see my friends.
2: Like, I woke up today. How about that? Like, I woke up today. I woke
0: up today. Yes. Yes.
2: I have a voice. I can sing. I can act. I can write. Yes.
0: Yes. I have choice. You know, I have choice. And part of that choice is deciding how you want to view the day, how you want to embrace the day. Like you said, it's like love or fear, uh, misery or joy. It's really a choice. We can't f- take those choices for granted. No,
2: not at all. I mean, even in this pandemic, you know, now that things have picked up i'm very aware because i feel like when the self-tape requests come in they all come in at the same time and they all need them Uh, tomorrow and i'm like really right you need it tomorrow we in a pandemic but you need it tomorrow okay (laughs) but i also am like oh i i'm i'm getting to act today even though it's to no one (laughs) 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 but i'm getting to like work my craft and practice my craft right and i'm finding joy in that
0: yes i was talking to uh, another actor friend a week ago about not measuring success by did you book the job Mm -hmm. because there's just so many reasons that are out of our control why we may or may not book it but being able to say what did i do for myself in this process that Felt like, okay, that's a step in the right direction. Whether it was, you know, I worked a little longer than I usually do, or I felt more relaxed in the self-tape, or I didn't stress, or whatever it is, but we have to make sure that we're measuring success in this industry based on our terms.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Because there are too many things that will tell you, nope, 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 not this time, absolutely. not yet. I mean, whatever.
2: and even now, like, because of the pandemic, there's certain jobs that I'm like, do I want to book this? Because I don't know how comfortable I am. Yeah. Yeah. Being out of the state where I reside and where all my family is, yeah, because you know, God forbid, if anything happened, like, what happens to me?
0: Yeah, it's such a wild, scary time.
2: Yeah, it's very stressful to think about.
0: I'll tell you, I actually, because of a job that's in state that I uh, booked. Hallelujah! I'm gonna give a.
2: (laughs) Hey. I had
0: to just test myself for COVID. Like, I had to stick that thing up my own nose, which was really strange. Wait,
2: you had to test yourself? That's what's going on?
0: <laughs> Where they do that at? They sent a test to my apartment. I had to FaceTime with uh, an official person who made sure I. Like the
2: COVID compliance officer or what? Uh
0: huh. Right. He watched me as I
2: stuck that thing up my nose.
0: It was so uncomfortable, but I did it. And then
2: you put it like in a baggie or something and mail it in?
0: That's to make sure that I can work.
2: And where do you mail it? You have to like go to a mailbox or <laughs> like I'm, I'm fascinated by this
0: they have um it was in a fedex uh pre-ship uh, you know so everything's already labeled for where it needs to be sent and everything i had to put it in a fedex drop off wow yeah yeah so it's in- it's interesting how they're making trying to make
2: it work yeah trying yeah. to make it work
0: In terms of you experiencing the difference between who you were before you moved out to L.A., how can you say you changed and what was that experience like once you were in L.A.? And then what brought you back to New York, if you don't mind me asking?
2: So I'll go backwards, I think. What brought me back was I had only asked my friend to stay for three months, and so that three months came and okay. I also had exhausted as much of my savings as I was comfortable, exhausting, which was most of it. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. But amen for having a savings cuz sometimes, you know.
2: How was I different? Is that your question?
0: Yeah, how are you different after you moved after the 180?
2: I think that there's a little bit more like fuck it mentality of like yes. of not Caring so much mm-hmm. about what other people think. Mm. Message! <laughs> yes. So when I audition for things, I take bigger risks or things that would be deemed as a risk. Right yeah. now I'm thinking of a show that I ended up booking at Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. It was a new John Guer play, Nantucket, Sleigh Ride. And... I got the material and the track was two roles. One was a police officer and the other was a secretary. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, how can I... I need to make these people very different, like distinctly different. Yeah, I wasn't sure I was working on the material, but I wasn't really sure how they were different, how the voicing was different. And the night before something came to me and was like, oh, make the secretary from Trinidad, which is where my family's from. Mm. And so I started practicing. She had a monologue. Yes. So I started practicing this huge monologue in that voice and it just opened a, a bunch of new possibilities as to who she could be.
0: Do you remember one line? Oh, do you man. remember one line? You can say anything. Um, I would say you can say a nursery rhyme, but oh, I don't you know. just
2: want to hear me talk <laughs> with the accent? Is that what you trying to do? Hey, but what trouble is this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess. I guess ultimately that that was part of it. So you made the secretary from Trinidad.
2: Right, I made the secretary from Trinidad. When I read it, I was like I know that's not what was intended. Mm. It was John Guehr and it it felt very it felt very white. And I was mm, like mm-hmm. how the way it, the was, way written. it was, was written. I was like how yeah. can I bring me into the room? Mm. And I don't know that I was thinking that way before. Yeah. I think before it was how can I give them what I think they want?
0: They want. Ooh.
2: So I was like, they're either gonna love it or they're gonna hate it.
0: Mm-hmm. But you were bringing you into that room and what brought you joy and what excited you?
2: Yes, I was like, I am making this my own. Long story short, they loved it. And that's what I ended up doing in the production. Ah. So I feel like that's the biggest change is that I just feel free to be me instead of, I think for so long, you know as a kid i was conditioned to to try to fit into somebody else's box and idea of who or what i could be
0: mm-hmm.
2: and now i'm like there is no box yeah i'm just bringing me and people are either gonna love it or hate it
0: <laughs> yes and a little bit of fuck it because you know
2: i don't know how much of that is from experiencing the loss, or if it's just getting older and having life experience mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't have time to waste trying to please people because you can't make everybody happy.
0: Absolutely not. Yeah. Message.
2: Yeah. If you, if you
0: didn't know, now Sound you know. Effects. I can't. <laughs> being reminded that we need to bring our own selves and that that's what people want to see, and being able to take those risks to say, this is what excites me. This is who I am. I don't fit into your box. Because looking at your journey, you're consistently Mm -hmm. redefining the boxes that people try to put you in. Whether it means you're saying I can't be a dancer. I am a dancer, but I also, I'm about to do musical theater. And I'm also about to direct this documentary. And I'm also about to tell my own story.
2: What's crazy though, is like when I started in musical theater professionally, I was on the dancer, like in the dance ensembles. And for me, I was like, this is crazy. Uh Because for my whole life, the messaging that I was getting was, you're not a dancer, you don't have the look. But obviously, musical theater and ballet, the aesthetic is different. There's a little more room Mm -hmm. in musical theater that came as a surprise to me as I was on the road in this industry. Yeah. But uh, another thing I want to say is that it also took a lot of work, like self reflection and therapy mm. to get to this place. For so long, I didn't know that what I had experienced was not okay. I didn't know that there was like emotional abuse and psychological abuse. I didn't know that. Mm hmm.
0: I just want to uplift that you said therapy, because I think therapy, especially in Black communities, is something that a lot of people feel like, oh, we don't talk about or it's not necessary. And so I thank you for sharing that therapy was a part of your process.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And at first I was I was like, what is this going to do for me when you have a good therapist? It works when you, you you don't even know that it's working mm. because they are just asking you yeah. the right questions, not not necessarily giving you answers, yeah. but asking you the right questions so that you can discover the answers yourself. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of beliefs that had to be changed and broken down and discarded, and that takes work. But you have to want. You have to want to do that work. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And know that you're worth it. Like that's, that's, I love that in your journey that you were like, I'm going to go through these transitions. I'm going to take these risks. I'm going to take these leaps because this is what I desire to do. It
2: wasn't that this is what I desire to do. I was, I was in so, I was suffering. I was suffering. I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And I would walk into Even though I I worked, even when I was, you know, at the heights of my disordered eating, but I would walk into rooms apologizing, trying to be something that I just wasn't. Mm. There was no self-acceptance. Yeah. That's just no way to walk around in the world. And I think I had to get to a place where I was exhausted with that type of existence. Hmm.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's a word. I usually close out the show with a quote. The heaviness of loss in her heart hadn't eased, but there was room there for humor too. That's a quote from Nalo Hopkinson, Brown Girl in the Ring. For me, hearing that the heaviness of loss in her heart hadn't eased, but there was room there for humor too. (laughs) But hearing that, it makes me think of just the ability to acknowledge loss. And like you you mentioned just a moment ago, um, you you said you were suffering, but also the ability to discover liberation or joy in spite of that, which I think is powerful.
2: The first thing that came to mind was my dad, his sense of humor throughout the time that he spent in the hospital. Yeah. He never lost his sense of humor even like through all of that like he would still make us laugh even though he was on a respirator Mm -hmm. that was the first thing that came to mind I think there is joy to be found in everything if we look for it yeah I spoke to my mom the other day and Mm -hmm. she said she had found a hard drive that had a lot of clips from a cruise my parents did a world cruise back in 2007. Wow. I'm telling you, they lived life, yeah.
0: Adventures, yes, they lived, yes, that's beautiful.
2: And she was like playing all these old clips that she had, some of them she hadn't seen and forgotten about. And she said, and you know, I I, I didn't cry. She was like, I had a really great day like going down memory lane. And that just made me think about how just the different stages of grief and that it's a process and we're in a different stage of it now. Mm, like mm-hmm. there's joy to be experienced in all of it.
0: Uh, there were so many things that, you know, as we were discussing that I was like, okay, okay. But it, it didn't feel right to put it in the Sundance thing, but I know that you were stuck in the elevator in Sundance. Like what happened?
2: Well, I flew to, to Utah, <laughs> to Salt Lake. Well, first of all, just, what brought me out to that part of the country was me trying to confront my fears. Anyway, I go, I land in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. and the rewind. One of my dad's favorite songs is Bob Marley's um, uh, "Every Little Thing."
0: It's gonna be all right. Uh huh.
2: Gonna be all right. Okay and we actually played that at his memorial service. Mm. It was the last song we played. Anyway, I land in Salt Lake, I get my Uber from the airport, and you know, of course I'm thinking about my dad. I'm like, man, I wish he was here to like experience this. And my driver, you know, he's there, Very very pale Asian man. (laughs) Okay. And we're driving. I'm looking at the mountains, thinking about my dad. And all of a sudden, I hear every little thing. I'll be right. Wow. Baby, don't worry. And I'm like, this was this man's cell phone.
0: Whoa.
2: First, I thought it was the radio. It was his cell phone, and I was like, Wow. All right. Yeah. and so, yeah, he drops me off and I was sharing a, um, a condo, actually with Rada. Oh,
0: Rada, yes. Uh,
2: who was also there that year. And she was at a panel at the time. So I was getting into the condo and there was like a key code. And before before that, I get on the elevator and <laughs> it the door, like... Closes, but it doesn't close all the way. And then there's like the, the tone, it's like
0: uh-huh.
2: the whole time. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And I was just thankful that I had uh, cell phone service uh-huh. because I, I was able to reach her. We were texting because she was like at the panel, but then I don't even remember who came to rescue me. But I was pressing the, the alarm and somebody, yeah. So I just sat on the elevator with my luggage and just started singing.
0: It wasn't for too long, right? It was
2: like maybe half okay, an hour. Okay. That's
0: not too bad. I mean, it could be worse, but yeah. Ugh.
2: No, it could have been a lot worse because I was on a ground level. It wasn't like,
0: oh, right. Ooh. You know,
2: I didn't have the fear of like yeah. dropping several hundred feet Ooh. while in the elevator. So. But
0: that angelic reminder that every little thing is going to be all right. Wow, that's beautiful.
2: It's gonna be all right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, Stacy, thank you so, so, so much for being a guest on the 180. Are there things coming up that you'd like to shout out that you're working on?
2: Yeah, so right now I'm actually creating a workshop, a self-esteem workshop that's built around my documentary, though I'm not perfect. Right now it's titled, Building Self-Esteem to Catch Your Dreams. Yay. Ooh.
0: I like the title. I, I love when things rise. So
2: I'm working on that and I'm hoping to start the workshops. It'll be all online and I'll also be doing some personal coaching with that. Hopefully, I'll be able to get that started before the year is out.
0: And look out for you and the 40-year-old version on Netflix.
2: On Netflix, yeah.
0: Hey. <laughs> And be sure to follow Stacy on social media on Instagram specifically because she ain't on she ain't on Facebook. Like she touched.
2: I'm sure I will get back on Instagram at some point. I haven't been posting, but I still have my account. <laughs> and I will get back to it.
0: At Stacy S-T-A-C-E-Y sergeant S-A-R-G-E-A-N-T. You can find her on Instagram. Or she can find you on Instagram if she don't post. But definitely look out for her self-esteem workshop. We the
2: website for the workshops is thoughimnotperfect.com.
0: Thoughimnotperfect.com. Go visit it. Be on the lookout for those workshops. Based on her documentary and like we mentioned, the 40 year version is out. Thank you once again, Stacey. It's so, so great having you. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, I, I know it's going to inspire so many folks.
2: Thank you so much, Eric.
0: Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatman with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly and digital portraits by Byron McRae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The 180 Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early. Visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com, the 180 pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed.
1: No. That you'll have a blessing
2: If
1: if you just keep on pressing. pressing Don't stop, keep going You can turn it around The 180 Yes, it's a big change The 180 Your life won't be the same The 180 You can do it Say yes to your beautiful future The 180 Yeah